Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Smash Pop. Welcome to Smash Pod, a podcast celebrating all the Bond films by those who enjoy, hate, or, you know, aren't even asked about them. Hosted by me, John Rain. We will be delving deeply into Bond, tackling a different film each episode with an exciting guest by my side. Now, episode 9 brings us a trip to the bizarre funhouse that is the man with the golden gun. My special guest this week is the comedy writer, author, and all-round Twitter behemoth, Aaron Gillies, who can be found on Twitter as at TechnicallyRon. So, without any further ado, let's get out the shitty swanny whistles. My relationship with a client, Mr Bond, is strictly confidential. Like a doctor, priest with a penitent. Of course. Yet you make guns for fingerless hoodlums. Bullets for assassins? Mr. Bond, bullets do not kill. It is the finger that pulls the trigger. Exactly. I'm now aiming precisely at your groin. So speak over a bottle of your piece. Aaron! Hello! Welcome, welcome, welcome to Smashpot. Ah, marvellous, marvellous to be here. Yeah, um, so we're here, we're here this evening to talk about The Man with the Golden Gun. Oh, and it is a film. It is, isn't it? It most certainly is a film. I'd like it to be retitled The Man with Three Tits. I really would, seeing as that is the opening shot of the film for yeah. some reason. Well, you've got to see the tits. It's the 70s. Well, uh, all the... Th- uh, I don't know where to start with this film. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't. I, I'm not lying. I have eight pages of notes. Really? Yeah. I may be uh, every, every five minutes, something utterly bonkers happened, yeah. and it made no sense. This is true. I mean, you start with, you're obviously seeing Scaramanga's three tits, which made me think, is he related to the woman from Total Recall? Well, exactly. And Mm. unfortunately, uh, not as attractive. And then the next scene you get is, right, so what's, I've already forgot her name, Anders? Anders? Anders. Yeah. Yeah. She's just washing his legs. Yeah. Which seems to never really be addressed and seems just to be part of her daily routine. Yeah, and then he's drinking Guinness. He is. Oh, it's utterly weird you know you're in for something oh also okay first of all how is this film two hours and five minutes long yeah it goes on doesn't it it does this was one of the lowest grossing bonds wasn't it yeah kind of see why yeah it does go on a bit it does um but i will let you i i'm i could i I really could talk about this i wanted to i've been dying to talk about this film all day so (laughs) well please do that's why you're supposed to be here (laughs) you're not just here to listen to me that would be a waste of everyone's time. It'd be just a three-hour rant of what the bloody hell is going on in this film. Oh, we like to swear on this podcast, by the way. Of course. Ah, fuck yes. Yeah. Marvelous. Fanny. There you go. <laughs> um, I particularly liked uh, Scaramanga's... Uh, have you been to Chessington? I have, unfortunately. Yeah, have you been to Hocus Pocus Hall? I have not. Oh, oh so we're going to go into the mad circus dungeon. Yeah, it's, I, I recently went there with my kids and I went into Hocus Pocus Hall. It looks very much like Scaramanga's um, pointless dungeon thing. 
it, look, right, so what, uh, at what point in building this, first of all, who does he employ to build this place? Yeah. It makes no sense. And then second of all, why would you have that at the bottom? So it, it, he has that to, the first dude that arrives is obviously some sort of hitman. Yeah, he's, he's in Diamonds of Forever as well, that guy. Right, okay, I was going to ask, because I think there's a couple of ties to other Bond films in this. Yeah. Oh, so it's probably a good thing to put it out there at the moment. Hmm. This is the first non-Daniel Craig Bond film that I've seen. Oh, I'm really sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I think I might have watched Moonraker, but I can't remember any of it. Yeah, this isn't the best one to start on, but... Um, it, it, it's certainly unique. Christopher yeah. Lee called this one of his best bad guy roles he's ever played. Hmm. He is good in it. He's flipping brilliant in it. Mm. He's in everything, though. There's that lovely scene at the end where him and uh, Roger Moore are stood on the beach with their pistols raised before they're going to duel. Yeah. It's like this, the director thought, right, I've got this scene in my head. Mm. We just need to fill, figure out a film around this scene. And at no point did anyone think what that film was going to be. And they just kept writing on the set. Yeah. And this film emerged. I remember um, Chris, when I was little, I remember Christopher Lee being on, um, someone will correct me on this, they always do, being oh. on um, Saturday Superstore with the, with the Golden Gun, which he was able to deconstruct and then build again. Amazing. Yeah, it was amazing. I thought it was so cool. Also loving the fact that his gun is basically a Meccano set. Yeah, well, I thought I'd put it something that you'd probably win at an Esso garage. <laughs> exactly that. <laughs> it's, what is it, a lighter, a pen and a cigarette case? Yes. And for some reason, all of those things still work with it not being a gun, but then when it turns into a gun. Yeah, you'd think, it'd be, you'd think you, you know, the cigarettes might be a bit off by then. Well, you would think so, or maybe the golden bullet would come out covered in ink or something. Yeah. It doesn't make... Uh, another boring bit of trivia in the research that I've done on this film. I've spent more time researching this film than I think I did spending time on working on my marriage vows. <laughs> is that when Christopher Lee was doing the press tour for this, he went through US Customs and they confiscated the Golden Gun. And it took him bloody ages to get it back. Really? Yeah, apparently so. Wow. These days they just let him go, of course. Well, no, of course. Hmm. Well, he's white. He'd get through straight away. Exactly, yeah. Uh, Right, where are we? We're still in... Oh, Mad Circus Dungeon. Okay. Also, Hmm. worst mannequins, fake people in the world, which are obviously actors because they're wobbling. Yeah, the Al Capone whose send arms fall off, but he looks like a real man. He is a real man. He blinks. Oh, I know. I know. Yeah. It's marvellous. And that, that fake Roger Moore, which is obviously real Roger Moore. Oh, it's, oh, yeah, Roger so... Moore in all waxy makeup. Yeah, because I expected them to turn into real people to kill the hitman mm. at the beginning, and it was just utterly confusing. Yeah. We could spend the entire podcast just talking about this first scene. We could, yeah, because Scaramanga has those stairs that then turn into a slide. And it's, just, it's all over the place, isn't it? It just makes no sense. It does feel like soft play for assassins. Mm, very good, yeah. Soft play for assassins. But th- then we meet Knickknack, who I've put uh, is a tiny evil Nick Hancock. Uh, yes, that is the absolute perfect description <laughs> of his character. The one thing that I've noticed about Knickknack throughout all of these pages of notes is whenever he's on screen, a comedy sousaphone follows him <laughs> in very the soundtrack. Yeah. Even, and um, to jump ahead massively, huh. in his last fight with Bond, which is a really rather intense fight, yeah. there's the comedy sousaphone behind it. Yeah. And it really takes any sort of tension away. It's just wonderful. It's a sousaphone that straddles the line of comedy and porn. Mm. It really is. You expect, like, lots of naked women to just burst onto screen at any point. He is in but, Thailand, after all. I mean, Well, indeed. They do really... What else have we got here? Oh, God, I just don't know. (laughs) Well, I've written that the uh, theme tune feels like the lyrics are written by Sid James. He has a powerful weapon. It is one of the most perverted Bond theme tunes. It is. I mean, there's just no subtlety about it at all. Oh, no, completely and utterly. It it literally is just a song about a cock going off. Yeah. And lasts four minutes. Yeah. It comes just before the kill. Yeah, absolute madness. And how they got, like, it was one of uh, Lulu's... I don't think it even got into the top 20, let alone the top oh. 30, I think. It was absolutely... Oh. By the time this, this film had got into this bit, we'd had the weird leg washing, knick-knack, yeah. the, the circus dungeon, and then this bonkers song, and I just kind of thought, I am on board with this film. <laughs> I did this warn you. This film is going to make no sense <laughs> whatsoever. 
And you know what? It makes no sense. No. And nothing happens in this film. No. No. It's, it's like, you know those episodes of a, you're watching a series and it's about 16 episodes long. Yeah. And there's one episode in the middle where it's just kind of people talking and kind of reaffirming what the story is. Yeah. It's that. It's a filler. Yeah. Yeah. Because the uh, stake in this is uh, a gun that, uh, there's the energy crisis, isn't it? Oh, yeah, they just randomly bring that in. Yeah. And they're all really worried about it as well. Oh, the energy yeah. crisis. Oh. Yeah. Oh, and then, like, two minutes after that, they're done with the energy crisis bit, and then it comes back an hour and 45 minutes later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's convenient. It's an inconvenient oh. truth, as, um, <laughs> as uh, Al Gore would thank say. Thank you. I'd forgotten his name. I was going to say Ed Balls. Well... I would watch a documentary about the end of the world written and directed by Ed Balls any day of the week. Oh, it's going to have Gangnam Style in it, isn't it? Oh, definitely. It's just him dancing on a green screen whilst the world falls apart behind him. <laughs> I'd, I'd definitely watch that. Yeah, same. Uh, but I liked it when Bond went to see M and they said that um, Fairbanks was killed, the previous agent. Double O T. Yeah, and she said, and he said that he was in, um, he was in, he died in Beirut, sixty nine, and I thought. That's a bit of too much information, isn't it? <laughs> but what a way to go. That is. Well, judging by the woman that Bond meets later on, who 002 is supposed to be in, uh, he was in a clinch with. Oh, yeah, the belly dancer. Yes, I'm, I'm guessing that that uh, particular sexual position would not have been off the cards at that point. So, no, that's it. Yeah. Because Bond has to eat that squashed bullet, doesn't he? Right, that's, that's a whole other thing. Yeah, he has to shit it out. Yeah. Oh, okay. We're jumping ahead a wee bit. Yeah, sorry. I've got sorry. notes about the belly dancing scene. Like, this, this is ridiculous. But, so, she keeps the golden bullet that killed the bloke yeah. in her belly button, which is <laughs> tapered at the end, quite severely tapered, like a impact. And then Bond eats it. Yeah. And seems by to have, accident. By accident. Yeah. And seems to have no medical problem passing it. <laughs> no. I... I'm not a doctor. I have watched enough Grey's Anatomy to know that if you're passing a tapered bullet, that you you would die. Yeah. Or his his asshole would explode. One of the two. Yeah, well, I've put here that Bond has to shit out a squashed bullet, which is a great deleted scene we were robbed of. Yes, indeed. I would watch, much rather than this film, I would watch two hours and five minutes of James Bond on the toilet trying to have to deal with that bullet. <laughs> Yeah. With full Dumb and Dumber um, sound effects in the they background. call it number two with a bullet. Oh, there you go. Yeah. See? Yeah. How are you not writing these films? This oh. is ridiculous. No, I should be. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, so you get that bit where he goes to see the belly dancer. But you get that good joke when she says, I've lost my charm. That's quite funny. Did Okay, so I don't know if this is probably, like, very well known within the Bond fan world. And I apologise to all the um, listeners who, do, uh, who are massive Bond fans that uh -huh. know all these things already. So in the fight sequence, when all of these people break in for no reason, and, oh, wait, no, we're jumping ahead of ourselves here. Yeah. There's a lot more to discuss. Yeah, let's, 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 let's park that. Okay, yeah. first of all, in the scene where Bond is talking to M yeah. and the people in charge, mm. why is every man in this film 70 years old? <laughs> it's the 70s. It, it's ridiculous. Mm. Roger Moore looks like he's made of rich mahogany. And then every other British bloke in this film looks like they should be claiming, like, disability allowance. Yeah. It's absolutely bonkers. M is uh, obviously a furious alcoholic. He looks awful at this. Oh, yeah. I mean, however, I will not hear a bad word said against Q. He Fuck just looks his hands. He just looks wonderful. He's got pig's hands, though. Oh, what? Explain that. Oh, in, in one of the previous films, you see close-up of his hands showing a gadget, and he's just got the most disgusting hands I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I think it's from Russia with Love, or Gold, okay. one of the two. But yeah, he's got these horrendous... They look like pig trotters. <laughs> They're really horrible. Do you think that's why he has to live underground and just, like, burrow away with gadgets the entire time, because he's not allowed on the surface anymore for his affliction? I think so. I think that's why, probably from, this, from those films onwards, you only ever see him behind a desk or from a you know, chest upwards... Yeah, they hands just off screen, so you never really see them. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're very close to being like lobster claws. Yeah. They're not nice. But yeah, everybody in this is old, and I suppose it's, it's, it's probably to make Bond look young. Yeah, I suppose. How old was Roger Moore when he made this film? I think he was about 48. What? Yeah. 
He looks about 60. Yeah, I know. He's, he's, there's one point where he's... He got in shape for this film as well, but there's one point where he turns his head quite slowly and you can see he's got like a kind of turkey neck thing going on. It's, yeah, because he spent a lot of time training for this film for the martial arts scenes, didn't he? Yeah, a bit of waste of time that was, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. We'll, we will show definitely get on to that. Yeah. But so, yeah, so he's given his orders by M. Yeah. With a sneaky, um, oh, you, you're off the mission, but, you know, if you just happen to kill him, that's fine. Yeah, which is the worst proviso for any kind of Bond mission ever. Yeah. Like, well, we're going to give you some time off, but if you fancy getting the work done whilst you're away, it, it is that thing of your boss says to you, you're allowed the time off, mm. but if you want to finish off the projects you were working on whilst you're on holiday, that's absolutely fine. Yeah. Um, so he goes to, is it Marrakesh, first of all? Beirut. Beirut, that's the badger. Yeah. He meets the belly dancer, yeah. who is obviously British and yeah. speaking with the worst French accent I've ever heard in my what entire life. What are you talking about? She says, may we, at one point. A British person <laughs> wouldn't say that. <laughs> Just bananas. Her accent's all over the place. Yeah. I'm sure at one point she goes slightly into a German accent and just kind of brings it back. Yeah. Just slightly chants it back. Um, yeah. And then you've got the whole thing where she... Oh, so they, they meet each other for about two minutes and then they just start getting off, which yeah. I think is a Bond cliche, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So he doesn't really have to do anything. He's got this sexual magnetism that women are just drawn to this man that looks like he should be in a wheelchair and looks like he's made of wood. I suppose it was the old days before, before sort of smartphones and things, you know, you know, when you had time to kill, what else would you do? You can't look on Twitter. You just start, start fucking the nearest bloke near you. When women had no standards and Mm. they didn't know better. Yeah. Um, Oh, I'm going to pay for that one in the comments. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So they start talking for two minutes and then, Oh, he comes up with the worst chat-up line I've ever heard in my life, and I had to pause it to write this down. Okay. Really do have a magnificent abdomen. Oh, yeah. Which is creepy. That is creepy, isn't it? I got a boner. Well, that says a lot more about you. Like, I don't think Roger Moore could at the time. No, he couldn't, no. <laughs> oh, that's some sort of scaffolding. <laughs> um, and then, okay, so this is what I was getting to. So this is the, like, so there must be... Everyone that watches Bond must know this. Yeah. But so all the guys break in to try and kill Bond and he's trying to get the bullet and he accidentally swallows the bullet and then ends up in this big fight with about four other dudes that all look like they're from Croydon. Yeah. And then um, he smashes a mirror and in the mirror you can see the entire production team behind (laughs) Bond. You can see the cameraman, you can see the stage director and you can probably see the cinematographer for about three seconds before it pans away and it's just wonderful that's good i didn't notice that oh you know you have no. to go back and watch it it's absolutely brilliant my wife spotted it first of all and i was just like right rewind and we had to watch it about five times to make sure we were both seeing it oh, that's it's amazing like, it's absolutely oh um then where do we go well after that he goes to um he goes to shit out the bullet then he goes back to see q and q's friend who's they're very good at analyzing bullets knowing where they've come from Yes, yes. And there's this scene behind them where there's just people measuring a wall. Yeah, which they then blow a hole in. Yes. Yeah, yeah. for no reason. It, well, I'm, I'm sure it has some sort of tactical reason. Yeah. But it's, no, it, it's just very much kind of like the director said, right, we need people in the background to do something. How about they get loads of rulers, measure this wall, and then we'll blow it up. I mean, I'm, that- no, I'm no sort of like gadget expert, but I think we've been pretty good at blowing holes in walls for a while now. Well, the British Empire have blown holes in lots of things over the years. I think we've got that one down, really. By 1970, they're just time-wasting there, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. They're just kind of finding something to do. It's 4.30, they finish at 5, they're wasting (laughs) half an hour, let's blow a hole in this wall. Yeah, why not? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. I applaud them for that. Exactly. But then Q tells him uh, that this bullet has been made by a particular person who is in... is in Bangkok, isn't he? Yes, yes, that's correct. So Bond then has to go and see this bullet maker... Who's yeah. made a bullet for a two-fingered man, or three-fingered man. A, a gun, sorry, for a... Yes, he's made the, the rifle with the butt that you can only use that goes a quarter-inch lower, and he keeps saying, oh, I've got a quarter-inch lower. Hmm. There's like a weird, witty comeback. And then, yes, because he's talking to this bloke who obviously recognises James Bond straight away and takes yeah. him downstairs into his Which again shows so how much of a shite spy he is. Right, this is what I was going to get to as well, because I, well, I was listening to last week, and you and Nick went through this quite a bit, but he hmm. introduces himself... To fucking everyone. Yes. It's ridiculous. He does it in the first three minutes of meeting someone, usually. Yeah. 
Yeah, you've even had instances in other Bond films where you'll walk into a bar and they'll be like, you'll use your drink, Mr. Bond? It's just, like, how is he a secret agent if he everyone knows him? He isn't, he's mentally ill. <laughs> anyway, so he goes to see the bullet maker and the bullet maker, uh, he threatens the bullet maker by shooting him in the cock. Yes, well, he just misses his cock. By an inch. Um, but this guy also says as well that his clients are all confidential. But he's already told Bond yeah. that he's made a golden gun for someone. He was showing off at that point, wasn't he? Yeah. He's the worst secret gun maker in the entire world. Yeah. He's yeah. And he's literally showing him another one for a guy that can only shoot with two fingers. Mm. I'm guessing in the assassin world, that bloke's going to be famous for only having two fingers. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. when they start like, oh, who's this gun for? Well, it's for Johnny Two Fingers over here. It's like, oh, Jesus, bloody hell. Yeah, he's vicious. It feels like the writers were on mescaline for a lot of this film and just phoned it in on hangovers. Oh, there's a lot to come up about the writers possibly being on mescaline, yeah. Oh, my God. It's just, I mean, we, at this moment, we've been speaking for 20 minutes and yeah. we are 10 minutes into this film. Yeah. The podcast is going to be 18 hours long. Yeah, it is going to be. But then Bond, uh, he finds out where the... Uh, bullets have been ordered from so he goes to this uh, Anders hotel room and he convinces yeah. this waiter to just randomly let him in any room yeah that, so that's dodgy to begin with and then he kind of sneaks into the room like like a man that has snuck into women's rooms a lot of the time at this point he's more less James Bond and more Ted Bundy yes he yeah. if if he was a real person now he would be on a sex register oh yeah um, and the, so he finds her in the shower and has absolutely no problem watching her get around naked, yeah. which would also bring him up on several um, kind of sexual assault charges, I imagine, that the MI, uh, MI5, MI6? Which uh, one is it? I can't remember. MI5. Yeah. yeah, whatever. Um, hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. And then she gets in a dressing gown. They start talking about the golden bullets. And then he just smacks her right in the face. Yeah, he tries to break her arm, then he smacks her in the face. Yeah. yeah. He's, so- he's Jim Davidson. He really is the Jim Davidson of the spy world. Yeah, he is. <laughs> which, which is a terribly unpleasant thing to do. And you would have thought that even if it was the 70s, like I, I, I watched afterwards a YouTube video where it is just Roger Moore and Sean Connery as James Bond just slapping women all around the place. Yeah, to be fair, to be fair on Roger, this is the, I think this is the last time you see him doing this sort of thing. Well, that's good. Yeah, after this, he's more of a fun, sort of nice Bond. It's more of a hangover from the old days, this this is. But yeah, up to this point, Bond has pretty much hit and slapped around women in every film, pretty much. Yeah, right. So then Anders leaves. Well, they both leave. Mm. Well, do they bang? Do they bang in this bit? I think it's implied, yeah. It's just generally is like implied every time that James Bond is on screen and the camera fades away that he's probably banging someone that was in that scene. You might have missed it. It was in the deleted scenes, but you know when he got his orders from M 
There's an eater scene where he bums M over his desk. <laughs> oh, no, because now I'm just thinking that what he's doing to poor Q and his trotters. Exactly. You don't oh, want to know. That's hideous. Cup the balls, Q. Um, so <laughs> Bond then goes to... Sorry, gadget for this, Q. Come on. Get the Swedish suck machine out, Q. Um, then Bond goes to meet... Um, goes to, to, to this club called Bottoms Up where there's a barmaid who uh, is literally sitting on a table right, and handing so, out glasses of piss. Yeah, it seems this way, but okay, because, like, you see right up her ass. Mm. Like, that, that ass, like, hits you really quickly and you're just not expecting it. Going back and, to what I said earlier, you see a fanny later as well when there's a naked well, lady I've in the got, pool. I've got half a page of notes on the fanny that we see later on. <laughs> you worry about that. I mean, Annotated. that is horrendous. As a... God-loving man, I I had to go and pray for half an hour after that scene. Is that a euphemism? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is, this is going so well. Where are we? Oh, the massive us. Yes. Yeah. So you see, like, so I think there's quite a relatively normal scene. Bond gets his end away. Hmm. Then you've got this massive ass, and then they're betting and drinking bottles of what we assume is just piss, and it just makes. No sense. No, well, there's the energy man there who looks a bit like Jeremy Corbyn. Yeah, indeed. And, and he's, he's with uh, the uh, Hong Kong... Not Hong Kong. The, is he Hong Kong? I can't remember now. The policeman. I assumed he was Hong Kong. I think as well. Maybe I'm racist. I don't know. Um, I, I'm trying not to be racist, but I assume he is the Hong Kong police. Mm. Um, but then... So then what happens? There... He gets oh, killed. Wait. Corbyn gets shot. Yeah, Corbin gets shot, and then Nitnat comes along, steals the thing that is the like size of a computer mm. that apparently is a microchip, and then oh, and then Scaramanga's been watching the whole time, so he knows what's going on. So and then he gives um, Anders foreplay with the golden gun, which is that is weird. disgusting and disturbing. And I, I, oh, that was a horrible moment when he just starts stroking her with the gun. Just really it's, weird. So unnecessary. And also there's a brief moment where Christopher Lee is becoming intimate with her in the scene before that, yeah. which I've never seen Christopher Lee be intimate with anyone. And I don't think I ever want to see Christopher Lee be intimate with anyone, like, in any film. No. No, it was just, it was like watching, oh, it was like watching a scarecrow attack a child. It's all... <laughs> Part of me, though, I mean, talking about Knickknack, I want another little dwarf with him called Paddywhack. Oh, God. That'd be amazing, wouldn't it? Nick Knack and yeah. Paddywhack. Yeah, the Irish uh, spin-off of this that I'm sure Sam Mendes will make in a couple of years' time and completely ruin. No, that sounds like too much fun for Sam Mendes to make it. But <laughs> we won't go into that in this one. Yeah, I'm looking forward to your rage of the Sam Mendes uh, bonds later on in this series. Yeah, yeah, I'm not. But it <laughs> yeah. means I'll have to watch them again, but never mind. Right. So, then Bond gets picked up by the Hong Kong police and he gets put into a cat... Uh, car and they go onto a boat which takes them onto a sunk well bond escapes onto the sunken ship of the hms elizabeth yeah the queen elizabeth yeah that's it yeah and then a voice through the tannoy says no mr bond come this way yeah and this is the fucking weirdest set oh. it's like something out of being john malkovich it's like so first of all if you were james bond the world's best spy and a tannoy voice said come this way you would instantly think fuck that I'm going the other way. Yeah. What does Roger Moore do? Fucking straight down the hatch. It's absolutely madness. And then he goes down, and then, like, this is where the British are operating in secret. Um, yeah. And this is long before, like, the Hong Kong-British-Chinese uh, deal as well. So this is all very strange. Yeah. Uh, but they're all sat there in what looks like Willy Wonka's office from Charlie and the Chocolate yes. Factory. Yeah. You expect half a clock to be ticking on the wall yeah. and someone to be flying around on, like, root beer or whatever it was. And they they just get into this massive conversation about the energy crisis, which comes out of fucking nowhere. Yeah. There'd be no mention of the energy crisis. There was one mention in the very beginning scene. They mentioned it very briefly, some guy called Gibson. And then they go into this whole long spiel about energy. And it's just, I, I, I feel like I, I passed out. I left my body and then came back and the scene was still happening. <laughs> but this is where Bond asks Q for a pretend tit. Wait, what? He, he says, Q, I've got something you can do for me because I'm going to go... He basically says, look, no one knows what Scaramanga looks like. I'm going to go and pretend to be Scaramanga. And Q, I want you to do something for me and whispers to him and, and, he, make, and he makes him a nipple. 
I didn't get that, and now that scene makes a lot more sense. Yeah. So he basically says, Q, make us a tit, will you? <laughs> nice one. Which looks like he's basically dropped a pork, a pork scratching whilst he was drunk. Yeah, it doesn't look like the most convincing tit. Oh, I've seen... Oh, like, we're back in the whole Total Recall thing now, I think. Yeah. It's just so... Oh, you should right. have had the baddie going, it makes me wish I had three hands. <laughs> just you doing very well with two hands. For the entire film would make the film so much better. Just, you've missed the bit with the, the girl in the pool. You're right, sorry, I, I skimmed that. So well. you, you skimmed. Mm. So that is an integral part of this film, I think. Yeah. In the fact that the moment you see her, you assume Bond's probably going to bang her at some point because yeah. she's a hot woman in a Bond film. Mm. It's never truly addressed who she is or what role she has in this organisation. No. And you really do see her her private parts. You do. It, and and they are quite everywhere. Yeah, I wasn't even like trying to look like I usually would. But oh, no. I saw it, and no problem. Yeah, it, it was it was car crash. Like you, you can't, you couldn't look away. It was the only way you could look. Mm-hmm. It was horrendous. Like children watch these films, and I, I was shocked. I will be sending a letter to my MP tomorrow yeah. about the vaginal horrendousness of this film. Yeah, I would. But, and her name is Chu Me, oh, which yeah. just oh. <laughs> got that. Yeah, at this point. We are still only about half an hour into this film. Yeah. It's the most bizarre thing. Right. Anyway, skipping ahead. Mm. Uh, uh, so, yeah, Bond pretends to be Scaramanga, does his bit, and then buggers off. And then the real Scaramanga's there and says, uh, ha, 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 don't worry about it. I've got this sorted. Yeah. And there's also just that wonderful scene where um, Bond, whilst he's pretending to be Scaramanga, meets High Fat. Yes. Is that his name? Yeah. And he's and, and high fat just kind of says, "Oh, I've never heard of James Bond." Hmm. And Bond playing Scaramanga, but obviously trying to big up Bond, just goes, "Oh, you not? He's one of the best secret agents of the world. He's really good. He can bench press two hundred pounds. We Have you like ever seen run. him eat a steak? He can do it in thirty minutes. His penis <laughs> is massive. He goes on for ages, bigging himself up. At which yeah. point, you would have thought high fat just went." Either Scaramanga really fancies James Bond, or this is James Bond. Yeah, I mean, we'd all like to write our own reviews, wouldn't we? Well, I mean, he's li- literally listing off his dream CV or like his dream Tinder bio yeah. to a guy that he's only met for 30 seconds. Yeah. yeah, but he has to come back that evening, doesn't he? Mm. And when he comes back, that's when we just get the weird shit. I mean, that's like, so it just ramps up to another level of weirdness. So oh, We also get the joke about him taking, taking off the nipple, nipple and saying it was quite titillating. Oh, my God. Yeah. That- Oh, and you know the fact that there was a bunch of writers sat in a writer's room going, this is the funniest joke that anyone has ever written, as he flips uh, like a burnt um, Walker's crisp into the bush and just goes, this is quite titillating. Um, and, yeah, have, have we seen his I mean, the, the Hong Kong policeman's daughters at this point? Yeah, his nieces, aren't they? Yeah, I think... I, I think nieces, right. I, th- I, I think was- you've seen them for the first time at this point, don't you, when he gets in the car with them? Which just isn't addressed. No. For at least another 20 minutes. Yeah. So it does seem like this Hong Kong policeman has kind of got a weird fetish. Of groom. And just like driving girls around. Yeah. It's fairly disturbing. But then when he goes back in the evening, the statues that were in the garden that look shite of uh, yeah. little people with tridents and sumo wrestlers are suddenly real sumo wrestlers. Yeah. And Knickknack dressed as a little devil with a trident. Yeah who knocks out Bond after he has a small fight with two semi-wrestlers. He he wins that fight by giving a sumo wrestler a wedgie. Yeah. And I was not 100% invested in this film at that point. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I was 100% invested in the fact that James Bond now just wedged people to death. Yeah. He should have carried it on, really. I mean, slightly jumping all over the place. We This is a film where... James Bond wedges a sumo wrestler to death, slaps a woman in the face, pushes a child into the water who could have drowned. Yeah. See an American guy punch an elephant in the head. Yeah. Like, there's so much going on in this film. That yeah. Like, oh, right. Anyway, so, yes. So he has the fight with the sumo wrestlers, and he wedges one of them to death, and then does he just punch the other one? Uh, yeah, I think so. And then he yeah. gets knocked out by a dwarf holding a trident and then and then you uh, get the, the sumo wrestler starts crying oh god and knickknack try hit starts hitting him with a trident and i just felt like i'd, I'd drank absinthe or something 
yeah. at this point. It was just... Seeing a giant crying singer wrestler being com- being hit by a dwarf, dwarf with a trident. Yeah, I mean, at what point in the writing process do you just think, this, we're going to win an Oscar? Yeah. This is going to be the greatest film since Citizen Kane. Yeah. Um, so then, uh, where are we? Yes, so then High Fat says, take him to school. Yeah. And suddenly, Roger Moore awakes in this martial arts school in the countryside of China. Karate school, yeah. Yes, and so the, the reason this scene is put into the film which I did do some research for because I was so perplexed because it felt so like out of place is the fact that the director thought martial arts films were getting a bit kind of good at this point. Right. They just wanted to put some martial arts in there. It's like the last podcast where um, with Nick, you were saying that like Shaft was becoming a good film. So the director wanted to put some kind of like, um, Exactly. Yeah. This is what they did with this one. They just took some martial arts and just thought, right, we're just going to have a couple of scenes where there's some martial arts and it's just, there is no reason for this scene to happen. No, it doesn't add or take away from the film at all if he he wasn't in it. It doesn't go anywhere. No. And the first thing you see in this scene is two children. So you assume this is a school and all the children look about, they've got to be 16 or younger. Mm. This is a school where they tell children to stab each other to death in fights. Yeah. A child dies in this scene. I don't, I, like, I think that's a relatively important plot point in the fact that this cannot be a proper school. It could never have been Ofsted inspected. It could never have like, gone through proper qualifications. None of these people have been CRB checked. No. And they've just got these kids knife fighting to death for their own pleasure. Yeah. And, oh, it's and like then, Battle Royale. It's, it is exactly like uh, Battle Royale without all of the weird... Oh, I think this is the part where I started feeling like I was losing my mind. Yeah. And then Bond fights a bloke that looks like Pedro from Napoleon Dynamite. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Who is in... Who, who turns up in the black um, gi? Is that what they're called? The gi? And then... So you know that he's obviously good. Yeah. And then Roger Moore is actually at the same fighting level, which once again makes no sense. No. And then... Um, Runs away. Yeah, he jumps through a, a window, but yeah. then all, they all chase him, and then the girls and his friend, the Hong Kong policeman, beat them all up. Yes, which I am pretty sure is racist. Feels like I it, doesn't it? I don't think that everyone that lives in China knows karate. <laughs> and I think the fact that these two girls who, at one point during that scene, which is another thing that I'm sure all of your Bond fans will know, is the fact that they are just two grown men beating the shit out of these other people and they turn around and they're schoolgirls again. It's absolutely amazing. Um, But then you get a boat chase, don't you? Okay, so this is another thing in Bond films that I've caught up with, Mm. is the fact that there always seems to be a getaway boat. Yeah. Wherever they are in the entire world, they seem to end up next to a body of water with a handily placed boat with all of the controls working. Yeah. Although Bonds doesn't work for one minute because he needs the help of a small child who he then thanks by pushing in the river. Yes. Proving his worth as a complete dickhead in this film. So he does this boat chase and then, yeah. And then there's this weird moment on the boat. So the the boy jumps on board and then the boy starts calling him handsome man. Yeah. And you kind of think, oh, fuck, where's this going? (laughs) (laughs) I was really concerned for a moment. It's like Bond has banged everyone else in this film. Where is this going? It was the 70s. I don't know. We've seen a vagina. This could go anywhere. Yeah. Um, but he doesn't bang him. And then you've got this moment where... So, right. Okay. JW, is he a recurring character from another Bond film? He was in Live and Let Die, the one before this. And he was right, equally okay. as annoying. Is he a fan favourite? No. God, no. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Because he is really racist in this film. Horrendously racist. He's racist in the previous one about black people. He calls yeah, all the black I- people boy. Oh, like, he, he does say boy to everywhere. He calls James Bond boy, but when he's calling someone another race boy, it's just... Well, he calls them pointy heads, which is just fucking horrendous. He calls them brown-faced pointy heads at one point. Yeah. It's but he just... does also say that he's a Republican as well. So Yeah, so that's it. So um, his wife goes off the, the boat that they've been on tour on yeah. and says, oh, I want to buy an elephant. And he says something along the lines of... Elephants means you're a Democrat. Yeah. A Republican. And then laughs a bunch of foreign people falling in the water. Yeah. And it's just a bit kind of like, uh, uh, what? Uh. Once again, 
Why does this need to be? It doesn't we're at still, all. We're still in the point in this film where nothing has happened. His presence in this film ruins all this bit, and it ruins the car chase. Oh, <laughs> really badly. And then, of course, the Swanee whistle ruins the best stunt in Bond history. I have. I've seen the the the. the the, what do you call it, the corkscrew car jump before. Mm. But I've never seen the scene leading up to it, and it is utterly wonderful. It is just such a bad piece of cinema that should make you cringe, but you just think, I don't care, this is fucking brilliant. Mm-hmm. You're talking about the, you're not gonna... Oh. I sure am, boy. Yeah. yeah. So... What, what, so, oh, he's just, so JW is really racist. Oh, yeah. So there's this bit where he stood watching all of the um, China, uh, the Chinese people drown. Hmm. And he says um, something racist. And this elephant starts stealing peanuts from his pocket. Yeah. And off screen, you can hear him punching the elephant in the head, yeah. which just seems a bit like overkill at this point. You, you, you've done a lot of fairly risque things. I don't think animal abuse is one level that was really needed. No. So, yeah, and then... Uh, wait, the, the car chase doesn't come up yet, does it? No, no, it's not for a bit. No, no, no. What happens next? Well, next, uh, Bond goes back to his hotel room and decides he's going to fuck goodnight. Mm. And then Anders turns up and he decides to shove Goodnight in the cupboard. Even though she had ample opportunity to leave the room, he decides it would be better if she sat in the cupboard and listened to him having sex. So this this is this is all completely bonkers. Mm. I mean, this, this, so I've got, I get the thing that Bond basically has sex with whatever he sees. Yeah. That's his thing. He is a rampant sex offender. Yeah. But... Good night seems to uh, when they're chatting and they're having that nice meal. She seems to have a fairly kind of clear head of what James Bond is like and the, what he does. Yeah. And then it's all quite nice. And then James Bond goes back to his room, and then she's there in like this tiny nighty, mm. and she's kind of like, "Oh, James, take me now." And then because uh, so, that's Brit Eklund, and she looks ridiculous in this film. She does. Oh my god. And then you, Anders wanders in and... He hides Brickland in the duvet. He shoves cupboard. He shoves a woman in a cupboard. And then a woman that did want to have sex with him then has to listen to him bang another woman. It, oh, it, and like, like she would have fell asleep in there as well. Yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, but he says to her, all in the line of duty, and then when she gets upset, he says to her, and I've written this down, your turn will come. Oh, which is horrendous, isn't it? It's it's awful. It's just like, don't worry, you'll get sloppy seconds. <laughs> it's just, oh. just give me half an hour and yeah, yeah. Let me pop another Viagra. I'll be with you in a moment, dear. <laughs> oh, and the poor God. girl, and then and then she leaves. Then, hmm. um, well, next, uh, uh, Bond goes because Anders tells him where the um, where Scaramanga's going to be, or where the Solex is going to be given or whatever. So he goes and meets her at this. Kickboxing match. Yes. So he goes there and she's dead. This film is that Bond is always dressed like he's going big game hunting. Mm-hmm. He's always got a lot. Have you ever seen that episode of The Mighty Boosh? I think it's the second episode of the second season where Howard's got his um, utility velvet tweed like suit. Yes, it rings a bell. 17 pockets and it all zips down to, tra- uh, to pants. Yeah. That's what Bond looks like he's wearing throughout this film. Yeah, it's not a good look. It's not. There are so many pockets. And at one point, right, this is how many pockets he's got. At one point at the end, I know I'm jumping ahead, he gets the, the Solux thing, puts it inside of his shirt. Yeah. Not using a pocket. Yeah, that was strange, wasn't it? Oh, it's just like... It's, oh, right, okay. So we're at the... Kickboxing match, and, and Anders is dead. Yes, so, yeah, so she's still sat up, which troubled me again. So... If she had been shot dead, there are several things the body does when it dies. First of all, you lose all stature. For the first, like, half an hour, you rigged more success in after about half an hour. The moment you're shot, your body would crumple. So she would not be sat up straight. Second of all, the body voids itself quite violently when you die. Hmm. She would have a mess everywhere around her. And Bond just doesn't seem to notice anything. He's supposed to be the greatest spy in the world, and he sat talking to a mannequin for about five minutes. Yeah. It's... But then you get Scaramanga turning up, and they have quite a nice little good guy, bad guy chat, I thought. 
I mean, that's great. I mean, you can understand why Christopher Lee said that this was one of the best bad guys he's ever played. Because mm. every scene, he, like, I know I've, I've, I've slagged off this movie so far, like, relentlessly, and I'm sure a lot of people will be angry at me. But um, Christopher Lee's, like, that, Christopher Lee's never done a bad performance, in my opinion. No. And this, every line he delivers, he delivers with such weird villainy. Yeah. It's absolutely amazing. Um, but he's, he's at this point, Bond's being threatened by Nick Knack with a tiny little gun. Oh yes, because why not? Why not? Yeah. And then yeah, then the car chase happens because Scaramanga drives off with Goodnight in the boot. Yes. So um, which seems to be her speciality: cupboards and boots. She she gets trapped in a lot of places yeah. for someone that's supposed to. What is her role in this? Has she been in other Bond films? No. So it's never really explained why she's on this mission. They didn't didn't they say that she's like the. Um, she works in the office there, but she's there to help him if he needs help. Uh, right. Why? Because when you go on kind of covert missions, you might as well send someone that works in accounts. Yeah. Exactly. Um, someone who's good with cupboards. <laughs> yeah, it's helpful. What is your uh, previous occupation? Well, I was trapped in the cupboard for quite some time. Perfect. We'll send you with James Bond. Only Anne Frank hadn't died. <laughs> um, but yeah, then you get the, uh, the, the car stunt, which is basically the equivalent of someone burping Claire de Lune. It's this beautiful moment ruined by this horrendous noise. Well, the, the fact of the matter is that before that, there's this epic car chase going on, and they're only ever going 20 miles per hour. Yeah. They're, they're never breaking the speed limit, but like, there's this one moment where a taxi driver is too busy watching them and then flies over this market stall hmm. and probably kills about 17 people whilst doing it, and then all these police cars crash into him. And then they end up in the middle of nowhere, and JW is still going, oh, there's a bridge two miles up that way. Mm. How would he know that? Oh, I don't know. He's such a cunt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, the, only, the, the only reason he should be in this film is if he got eaten by an angry grizzly bear. Exactly. Like, I was thoroughly expecting him to die or something, or just, like, they'd land that jump and he was just a twisted mangle oh, of a person. That'd be amazing. His fucking um, head was flopping about. <laughs> blood squirting out of his nostrils. <laughs> And the tobacco that he's been chewing the entire time just kind of, like, flooding out of his nose. Oh. Um, yeah, so they do this... Right, so it never really makes sense why that bridge would be in that position anyway. It's for a stunt. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but I did read that the, the guy that did the soundtrack, his one regret with this film is the fact that he did include the slide whistle. Yeah, it's fucking the worst decision in cinema history. I know because it's such a good stunt. It's such a cool stunt. It's amazing. It was plotted by a computer, like plotted by a NASA computer. Amazing. And then you chuck a fucking slide whistle over it. It'd be like Luke falling down, like the whole bit with Vader, and he says, "I am your father." And way down, they had a child's laughter instead of the scream, just completely ruining the scene. Yeah, hides bananas. But then Scaramanga gets his car plane and flies off. Right, yeah, because that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Another, another, oh, God. This is where I got to the part of the film where I was just kind of like, what am I watching? Because the the, the plane that he, the the car plane thing, it's it's fused to the body of the car. Yeah. There is no time, because I assume Scaramanga wouldn't have got out of the car. I think they're trying to show that Knickknack does and then attaches it and then they fly yes. off. Knickknack would have had to have a blowtorch and been there for quite some time. Hmm. You welding this biplane onto the... You could have had a lighter and some tinfoil or something. <laughs> it's, a, it's very much a MacGyver moment of James Bond where yeah. Knickknack is just kind of improvising in a barn. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then... Uh, so they fuck off and then Bond goes back to him and says, we lost him, but I know where he is. Because like, mm-hmm. uh, um, Goodnight's got a tracking device in her dress that Q made. Yes, the bottom button. Yeah. Which you mentioned in the thing earlier. And also, um, she did actually plant a tracking device on the car in the boot mm. before she got chucked in, but they don't use that one. They use the one that's on her dress. Yeah, why not? Why not? Yeah. At this point, uh, why not? <laughs> At this point, all of the writers are just sat in the pub. It's three o'clock in the morning. They need to find a way of finishing this film. Yeah. Um, and what else than just an island with a circus dungeon? Yeah, why not? So... Bond flies there in his little plane. Yeah. And he gets there, and Scaramanga greets him by shooting the cork off of a champagne bottle in front of him. Yeah, which is pretty cool. says He says, oh, don't mind this, it's just a humble toy, and it's an actual gun. Yeah. 
So no, it's not a humble toy. It's a fucking gun. <laughs> so yeah, then he says, look, we're going to have a duel. And then they do the 10 paces, whoever it is. And he turns around and Scaramanga's basically run off. Yeah. He just buggers off. Yeah. I mean, at this point, he's had quite a wonderful tour of his house as well. Oh, yeah, like, yes. Yeah, introducing you to an Airbnb. Yes. It's, it's, been, quite, it's been quite nice. He shows him the laser. This, yeah, the, the, the death ray mm. that he's invented that only has like a 15-degree span that can only shoot one thing from this one side of the island. Yeah. Um, and during this, Bond does know a lot about the energy crisis. He knows everything. So th- is this Scaramanga's big plan all along that he's he's harnessing, he's stolen this bit of technology. Solar power. From, yeah, and he's going to use it to... He's basically going to extort, because at one point they say that the uh, Saudi oil barons will pay for him not to produce it because they want oil to be... Right. And then Scaramanga's like, oh, that thought did occur to me as well. Ah, right. Okay, I'm a lot with you now. I thought he was going to steal all the energy in the world for himself. <laughs> no. Well, I think a lot of people would pay for it, but also some people would pay more for it not yeah. to be on the market. There's, there's quite a nice moment when... So Britt Eklund's now just in the bikini all the yeah, time. why not? Because uh, I'm guessing that's just kind of Bond. Yeah. And they sit down for dinner, and whilst um, Scaramanga is constructing his Meccano gun underneath the table, mm-hmm. which you would assume if someone is doing something with both of their hands underneath the table and you can't see their hands, they were having a wank. Yeah, and at this point, you wouldn't put it past them. No, no, you really wouldn't. Everything else has been in this film. Yeah. Let's just shut that in. Why but Britt Eklund opens up her silver platter and goes, ah, mushrooms. <laughs> no one has ever been given a plate of mushrooms and gone, ah, mushrooms. Your reply is, why the fuck have you given me mushrooms? Yes, absolutely. It's, it's, and this is the point where the writing, I felt, had let the film down. It had let the fans down. <laughs> and uh, it was just becoming too unrealistic. Yeah, it, it totally had. And there's more <laughs> to come. Oh, there's more to come. As it were. Um, <laughs> well, you get the bit where Scaramanga and, and Bond have this duel, right? And then Nick Knack comes out and he says, Bond says to him, I've never killed a midget before. And I think, bollocks. <laughs> you definitely killed a midget. Yeah. Because uh, there's a previous film where him and M, talk, well, Sean Connery and M, talk about yeah. how they went to Hong Kong once and M makes them hastily turn off the tape. So I reckon they've had some sort of midget killing adventures in the past. Like the, the England World Rugby team did a couple of years ago. Did they kill a midget? Well, they didn't kill a midget. They were throwing midgets like darts in a pub somewhere. Oh, well, there you go. That's probably what they did. But I like to think that James Bond and M, when they go on holiday, they just do sorts of weird shit like this. Probably use the midget as contraception. Exactly. Yeah. Something like that. Or oh, it's, it's, it's not worth thinking about. Skittles. What they get up to. <laughs> yeah, but... Um, yeah, but at this point, like, Bond goes into the, uh, well, um, Nick Knack does his trick that he does at the beginning to the hoodlum and says, come on, come on, come this way. If you kill him, this yeah. whole island's mine. Go in Hocus Pocus Hall yeah. and kill Scaramanga. So he goes in and then we're treated to the same Hall of Mirrors. But what Scaramanga did wrong is he forgot to remove the life-size dummy of Roger Moore. Well, that's a foolish mistake. I mean, if I was a bad guy, I would... Even if James Bond was being played by Daniel Craig, I'd still have a life-size model of Roger Moore there for, for yeah. some reason. Yeah, it's, it's, it's begging, begging for James Bond to then pretend to be that dummy. Yeah. And what, what also perplexes me during this sequence is the fact that it looks like Nick only has six camera angles. Yeah. In like, so this is his theatre of doom, basically, where he's torturing the people that Scaramanga is is killing. And he gets really. to use the microphone and say, oh, I wonder where the gun is. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, it's like the Hunger Games. It's, yeah. it's whatever he just kind of wants to torture people like, oh, now we're going to release, like, demon dogs or something. Yeah. And it, I just, I, oh. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's the, the waxwork of Roger Moore, which only has four fingers. Yeah. And that's the kind of hint. And then they do this whole kind of song and dance where Roger Moore's running around and not really knowing what's going on. And he's underneath the scaffold for a little bit. And then he bollocks that up by... Oh, but in the, in the meantime, you get Goodnight, who's then being basically, like, molested by one of the blokes from The Accused as a guard. What is that about? I don't know. He just literally walks up to her and starts stroking her and giving her, like, I'm going to rape you eyes. Yeah. Which is horrendous. It's it's absolutely awful, and it's never addressed, and it's so unprecedented. And it's oh, I just at that point, I was just I just kind of like, right, if you don't die, this is a really bad. And then she chucks him in a thing of zero. Was it? Yeah, the nitroglycerin or whatever. Yeah. Oh no, it was helium, wasn't it? Helium. 
helium, yes. Um, so if he came out, he'd have been like, <laughs> which would have been quite good. Why did yeah. you do that? Still molesty, but just really yeah. high pitch. Take your knickers off. <laughs> yeah, that sort of thing. Um, um, but then, yeah, so Bond pretends to be the dummy and shoots Scaramanga. Mm. So it was a complete Which, waste of time and money about? doing this elaborate funhouse. Yeah, because there, there are two seconds between the shots of where you see the, the Roger Moore dummy with, with fingers missing mm-hmm. and Roger Moore getting changed into that costume, moving the mannequin to somewhere out of sight, Yeah, then returning in the exact same pose. Yeah. Which just seems very unlikely. It does a bit, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. I think, I think I've, I've gone from the point now where I just think this is bonkers to the fact that I just, I just don't understand how he would have had the time to do it. Yeah. Um, but he does it. Yeah. And he shoots Scaramanga in what is one of the most unsatisfying villain deaths of all time. It is a bit, isn't it? You expect him to be... Like, I thought the moment they did the bit with the laser... Mm. And he's like, it's hotter than anything. I thought he'd get chucked into that or get chucked into the helium thing. Yeah. But now he just gets shot. It's really boring. And then they like, they just leave him there. And you kind of expect him to come back at the end as well. You expect that kind of second reprise of yeah. the, the villain. To, like, I expected him on the boat when they were getting away to just kind of appear. But no, he's dead. He, he, is, he is massively shot to death. Um, but then, obviously, the because uh, she's pushed the rapey guard into the you must have it at minus 400 degrees uh, helium, it causes the whole place to blow up. Yes, which James Bond does through a lovely bit of exposition where he has already said this, but he re- uh, says it again to her yeah. because women don't know anything and they need a man to tell them what's going on. That's true, isn't it? Well, it is true. Yeah. I mean, that's just, that's just the way the, the genders work. I'm afraid so, yeah. yeah. So then they break into the massive bit with the console and he sees the the microchip nonsense in the thing that's going to... Uh, okay, so what's going to happen at this point? Because the, the place is already going to blow up mm. and the solar power thing comes out of the rock. Yeah. What is the threat to the world at this point? Mm, I don't know. Nothing? It doesn't seem to be one. This seems like a very urgent moment where James Bond needs to retrieve this... Like, or is it the fact that he needs this microchip not to be blown up? So he needs to rescue that before he gets out of there. Light bulbs? <laughs> Maybe. Without Bond doing that, we wouldn't have these energy-saving light bulbs. Maybe. I don't know. Well, I, I like to think that these films are basically documentaries of what the uh, British Secret Services were doing during the 70s. Yeah. 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 Slapping women and pushing children off boats. That's it. And punching elephants in the head. Yeah. I think that's yeah. the name of the book about the... Yeah, Secret Service in the 70s. I believe so, yeah. yeah. I believe it was so the uh, title of Roger Moore's autobiography. <laughs> uh, um, but so there's this lovely moment where he's down trying to rescue the microchip and then she sits on the big red button. Yeah. Which she doesn't seem to notice, which is all very bizarre. Mm. And then he just starts shouting at Britt Eklund. Yeah, he basically but, almost what? starts calling her a silly cow. He does. It, like, it's really like... This is a woman he he previously locked in a cupboard for two hours. Yeah, you would think he at no point during this film is is James Bond a gentleman. Oh, he's, no. supposed, he's supposed to be the gentleman spy. Like you expect him to be opening doors and kind of like offering women his jacket. To be like, fair, he did open the cupboard door for her. Well, but no, she's running around in a bikini. She's going to catch death a cold. Not and uh, no, he takes off his jacket, puts it to one side, and then goes down. He doesn't offer the jacket to her. <laughs> no, it's true. She, she'll catch the flu. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Yeah. And then, um, so then he starts shouting at her, and then the machine starts to... What, what have I got right here? Machine and destroys... Oh, right, okay. So this kind of laser beam that he's created to destroy stuff doesn't work when, the cl- when it's cloudy. Yeah. <laughs> Which means it would be no threat to Britain. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so James Bond at that point could it, like so this is about 20 minutes before this scene and yeah. like if the clouds aren't like this, it's a bit cloudy you're not going to be able to use your weapon no. we're going to be fine yeah. I'm going to go home I'm going to have a cup of tea mm. I'm not going to shout at Brick Eklund for no reason and then left but no um, and then oh yeah and then there's this rather lovely moment where so everything starts but he gets the microchip they start yeah. running out and then 
there's this rather lovely moment where you get to play that nice game, which happens in every 70s film of, is it the actor or is it the stunt double? <laughs> and at one point, Britt Eklund is running next to a bloke that is obviously six foot eight <laughs> and looks absolutely gaunt and it's absolutely amazing and he's kind of running and it keeps switching between him and Roger Moore and it's just so lovely and she says uh, round here there's Scaramanga's junk and I was really hoping it would be his penis yeah, yeah. me too but it was a boat I was just like his penis had just flown off <laughs> and just landed yeah it's like a prize that James Bond could keep in a trophy chest yes but it was a boat with knickknack in it yeah Oh yeah. So so that's the kind of villain reprise you expect at the end. You yeah. expect that to be Scaramanga, and it turns out to be Nicknack. And whilst there's this fight going on between Nicknack and James Bond, the sousaphone returns, and it is really like in the background of this awful fight where he is practically just killing a midget. But he puts but him in like, a suitcase. He puts him in. A- so he's put a woman in a cupboard and then he puts a midget in a suitcase. Yeah. And then it does seem like he's gone out and drowned him for a couple of well, seconds. He suggests he does. She goes, you didn't. And he goes, I, I did. Yeah. I fucking did. And then it turns out he's actually just being attached to the crow's nest. Yeah. Um, so you kind of feel like, okay, at least he hasn't died. But then we get the worst bit as well, because you know, you know he's made Goodnight listen to him fucking Anders. Yeah. yeah. M rings him and he basically says, hang on. And puts the phone down and starts fucking good night. So Em's like, going, hello, hello. It's just, it's the worst line in the entire film is when M says, um, can, can you put good night on the phone? And Roger Moore just says, she's just coming, sir. Oh, God, yeah. And it's just like, oh, no. Oh, it's like listening to your granddad read porn <laughs> at you. It's awful. It just like, it makes your genitals go up inside yourself. Yeah. It's not pleasant. No. And that is, that was a film. That was a film. But we have reached the point in the podcast where I ask you to smash quickfire questions. Ah, excellent. Yeah, so fingers on buzz, but no, no buzzers, obviously. <laughs> um, so, um, well, because you've only, you've only seen this and some Craig ones, haven't you? So this question might not apply to you so much, but... I'll, I'll give it a go. Well, who is the best Bond and what is the best Bond film? All right. I, I've just realised that I've seen another Bond film. Oh. I'm going with Timothy Dalton. Oh. And what's the best Bond film? That, I can't remember the name of the film. Okay. I remember there being a shark involved, and I watched it with my dad when I was about 15, and I remember it being absolutely awesome. Licence to Kill, I'd imagine. That's the one. Yeah. Good, good, good. That's excellent. So who is the worst Bond, and what is the worst Bond film you've seen? Uh, I'm going to go with Roger Moore and The Man with the Golden Gun. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so who would you have as James Bond next? If cool, yeah. I um, I was very much on the Idris Elba kind of train mm-hmm. whilst that thought was going around. But I am. I would love to see Olivia Colman as Bond. Really? Yeah, I think just maybe just for one or two. Mm-hmm. I think that'd be absolutely amazing just to turn it around and give it a breath of fresh air because the. The Craig films are just so formulaic now mm. and boring. And he just looks like he's not having a good time whilst he's doing it as well, which just doesn't draw you in. Indeed. And oh, he's, he's so boring. All right. So Bond is full of stupid names like Money Penny, Small Bone and Good Head. <laughs> Give me your best Bond lady there name. There's someone in James Bond called Good Head. Yeah, Holly Goodhead. Oh, my goodness gracious me. In Moonraker, which is coming soon. Oh. Yeah. So, what would you, what would be a Bond lady name that you've just come up with? Uh, fine rim. Pardon? Fine rim. Fine rim. Yes, I like that. That's good. Thank you. So, if you could come up with a, a Bond film title that you've just made up, oh, the man with the golden. <laughs> I was hoping you'd say gun. Oh, the man with the golden hen. Golden Gold Hen, excellent. Yeah, it's okay. actually just a complete remake of this film. <laughs> Every time that Christopher Lee, well, someone playing Christopher Lee, hmm. has to get a Meccano hen and put it together very intricately yeah. and then just releases a chicken into the wild. That's beautiful. Yeah, I I've, think... I've watched that ten times. <laughs> um, so um, a, a hypothetical fistfight takes place between Simon Templer, the saint, and James Bond 007. Who wins? Uh, Bond. 
Excellent. Okay. And finally, you're stranded on an island with Sean Connery, George Lazenby, Roger Moore, Timothy Dalton, Pierce Brosnan, and Daniel Craig. Who do you elect as leader to devise your rescue attempt? And if it fails, who do you eat first? Right. I think I'm going to get Timothy Dalton to be the leader because I like him. He seems nice. He seems like he'd go over, like, uh, above the call of duty to sort you out and make sure that you got some food and a nice kind of bed and stuff. Mm. Uh, I'd eat... Oh, who would I eat first? That's a good one. Are they at the ages where they were in James Bond or the ages where they are now? There's whatever you want. If they're at the ages where they are now, I'd probably eat Roger Moore first because I imagine he's quite lean. Uh, if they're at the ages where they were, I'd probably eat Sean Connery. I imagine he tastes a bit like veal. Oh, you're probably right. Innocent. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, Aaron Gillies, thank you so much joining oh, us you. i hope i haven't been awful and i make uh, everyone unsubscribe from this podcast no you've been wonderful and i'm sure everyone <laughs> will agree so thank you so much for joining us thank you goodbye bye Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.